Welcome to the Church Unlimited Sorry Podcast, where faith, community, and inspiration come together. We're delighted to have you with us today as we embark on this journey and explore timeless messages of love, hope, and faith. Don't forget to follow us and share with friends and family so you never miss an episode. Let's dive into this week's message. Good morning, church. What a great privilege it is for me to be here with you. And uh, as I start, I just want to bring you greetings from the brethren in Nelspreet. I'm one of the elders of the Nelspreet Church, and uh, they surely celebrate the fact that we are with you today, thinking of you in our prayers as part of our family. May God bless you today as we, as we study His Word together. So we're currently in a series on the church. That we've been looking at God's plan and God's heart for the church in the world. Last week, Louis spoke about the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, and he mentioned two important things with an emphasis on the nations. He said that we reach the nations by mission trips from a base church, such as this, going and coming back, and the second strategy then also to plant new churches into new areas. Now, this morning, I want to focus on the call of all believers to discipleship. Not so much out there, but here amongst us in the local church, much closer to home, and in fact, right here in this local church here in Church Unlimited Sabi. You know, there's a question that we have to answer. Is it important for me to be part of a local church? In my walk with God, do I have to be part of a local church? I mean, can't I just follow Jesus on my own, go on my own journey through life? Would that not be good enough? Or perhaps how does a local church contribute to what the Bible calls discipleship? And as I introduce the message this morning, I want to jump back to Matthew 28 that Louis read from last week. And uh, as we do so, it will be up on the screen. If you have your Bible, Matthew 28 from verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Jumping to verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I'm sure we all are familiar with this scripture. I want to take a few nuggets out of this portion of scripture, just as I start an introduction to this message, that I want you to keep in mind as we talk about discipleship this morning. And when I say discipleship, you should hear in the same breath, that means being a disciple and making disciples. The first thing is that in, in this portion of scripture, it says go and make disciples. Now, we generally put our focus and our emphasis on the word go or go to the nations and we think that's what it should look like because it seems that the weight of what Jesus is saying is resting on the going. But in actual fact in the Greek, the imperative or the command word is not go, it's make disciples. It's not so much about the going, it's about the process of making disciples. That is the command of Jesus and it's qualified by the fact that God wants all believers, or all peoples at least, all nations, to be disciples. You see, being a disciple, it's for everyone. It's not just a select few, not just one nation. The emphasis in the Old Testament on the Jews as the nation of God, or the people of God, discipleship, according to the New Testament, is for everyone. 
The second thing you should see from Matthew chapter 28 is that Jesus speaks to his disciples here. There's something of an intentionality. The 11 guys that remained, Judas Iscariot, remember, betrayed Jesus. He committed suicide, not part of this picture. The 11 that remain, they go to the mountain that Jesus commanded them to do so. It's an intentional thing. They follow after what Jesus had commanded them. So interestingly, it seems that the Bible is saying here that it, you need to be a disciple to be able to make disciples. What then is a disciple? If you look at the Great Commission there, there are three words that sort of jump out out of the scripture that help us to understand what the Bible says when it talks about being a disciple. The first one, go. Obvious, right? Not so much about the going because going implies following. Naturally, in going, there is a following after what Jesus had said. Secondly, it says baptize them. Now, what's the significance of baptism? It was a public declaration that you had put your faith in Jesus. Becoming part of the community through the waters of baptism, publicly saying, I have changed, willing to change, and I'm going to be on a road of repentance, and I'm going to grow into the likeness of Jesus. Part of the community of faith. The third thing it says, teach them to obey. You see, this speaks of the third element really here of helping others to also do and follow what Jesus had said and done. So if you put those three things together, put it up on the screen for you, a definition of what a disciple is based on Matthew 28. A disciple is a person who intentionally follows after Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to change him or her into the likeness of Christ and then helping others to do the same. And that others is not just unbelievers, it's also other believers, the process of becoming like Jesus. You see, being a disciple is more than just following. Many people followed after Jesus. The crowds followed after Jesus. But they couldn't, all of them, come to the place of changing and following the letter of the word that Jesus brought. Sometimes they said, no, this is a hard saying, and people turned away. To the point that Jesus asked his 12 disciples, so what about you? Are you also going to be turning away? Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. Can you see it, church? Come, follow me, and I'll change you. I'll change who you are. I'll change you into a new man. Discipleship is about a community, a community such as this one that follows after Jesus, that changes into his likeness day by day, and that spreads the knowledge of Jesus in every place, not just within the walls of the church, but also in the workplace and wherever you are interacting with others. So I'm going to share four points this morning. The first one I want to start with is the process of biblical discipleship. How did Jesus go about Helping these guys on a journey of discipleship. Well, the first thing, obviously, he journeyed with them. He invited them into relationship. He invited them into community, and they did life together. They were going wherever Jesus was going. He said things like, come and you will see for yourself. Come 
and follow me. You see, that has happened for all of you. If you are a believer in Jesus this morning, at some point in your life when you made the choice to follow, first there was an invitation, a tugging on the heart from the Holy Spirit, an invitation to follow. Secondly, in this process of discipleship, there is a mentor-mentee relationship. Now, before you think it's weird, mentor-mentee, all it means is imitate me. Paul said to the Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Intentionally, do as I do. You see, in these relationships, I see a few things that Jesus was addressing. The first thing was skill. He taught them the word of God and understanding of the principles of the kingdom. He used parables and stories, all of it designed to help them to grow in their understanding of who God is. But also Paul speaking later on in the New Testament about growing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So in terms of our skill, he helps us to grow in the knowledge of the word and he helps us to grow in the things of the Holy Spirit. The second thing Jesus addressed was the character of these men. They were an interesting bunch. Peter, this impulsive man that got angry and uh, you know, chopped off the slave's ear of the high priest when Jesus was arrested. All these interesting things about character Jesus addressing along the way. In our day, it's about persevering in trial and testing, because God uses that to develop in us the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And you'll know them from Galatians chapter 5, when it talks about love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering, all these things that all of us at times find hard to walk in. And then the third thing that Jesus focused on was leadership development. Along the way, first he was emphasizing that you have to be able to lead yourself. You need to look into yourself and lead yourself well. But then as you are faithful in little, more and more is added, more responsibility. Tens, fifties, hundreds, even two thousands, that is what he will trust you with. But you would also see that Jesus interacted with different sized groups of people. He preached to the crowds, thousands of people ministered to them healing and the word of God. He sent out the 72 two by two in pairs to do things as he taught them, now put it into practice. He taught the 12 disciples a smaller group. Even yet smaller, he had a group of three guys, Peter, James, and John, that he walked closely with. They experienced things that some of the other disciples did not. And then you also see Jesus alone with the Father. You see all of these things, there's a common element. It's community, right? Two, three, 12, 72, even up to thousands. Community. Everything happening in the context of community. Second big point this morning, I don't see Jesus building any other community in the New Testament than his church. So you need to know that discipleship, the process of growing into the likeness of Jesus, it happens in the local church. The Greek word that Jesus used when he spoke of the church is ecclesia, and it means an assembly of people, the ones who are called out. 
special people, those who have come to the revelation of who Jesus is, they've been born again by the Holy Spirit, they are the called out ones, the church, that's you, the ecclesia. The church is not this building, it's not an organization, but the church is a community of faith that we are saved into. So when we talk about a local church, we talk about a gathering of people in a specific place. A specific people, all of you, here in a specific place in Sabi, at a specific time, gathering to celebrate the work of King Jesus, as we did this morning, remembering him by communion, walking and journeying together with each other under the ministry and the guidance of a team of elders that help to shepherd and, and so on, oversee the people. But we know we are an imperfect, fallible people. None of us are perfect. We make mistakes, but we are on a journey of growth. The people who've decided to follow Jesus and to become his disciples. You see, the Bible used many different pictures when it talks about the church. There's a building, there's being the temple of God. There is the image of a body, and that's the one that I want to focus on this morning. Paul talking about the church of Jesus as the body of Christ. Now when we compare in the, in the New Testament times when Jesus journeyed with his disciples, he was physically present. So what do we do today when Jesus is not here physically present? We can't touch him physically. How does it look today? This mentor-mentee relationship that I'm talking about, does it mean you must go look for somebody that you can learn from? Not quite, because it looks different in the New Testament age. Not the way we expect. It doesn't work through the one preacher on the stage that must disciple all the saints. No, you see, it's an upside-down, upturned kind of thing. Because we all disciple each other. That's what Scripture says. We each help each other grow through the gifts that God has given each one. I want us to read from Ephesians chapter 4. It's a bit of a long portion of Scripture. It will be up on the screen. If you have your Bible, rather follow there. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Jesus gave gifts to men. Don't hear men only, men and women, it's inclusive. Verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a mouthful. 
<laughs> it's worse in the Greek, believe me. One sentence. You must concentrate. What is Paul saying here? So let's break it down. Just taking out of this piece of scripture, what is Paul saying about the body and how the body works together? You see, the thing about a body is about inclusion and belonging, right? The parts of your body, they all include it, they belong. The parts of this body, all of you, you are included and you belong. No single one more important than the other. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the head, the rest of us, the members of the body. We each have a function. The organs in your body have different functions, but they work together. Held together in unity, growing together. If you look at a small child, that child grows all the parts of the body growing at the same rate together. If there's a challenge with that, generally it will be a cancer causing that. Cells that grow out of control not at the same rate together. Healthy bodies grow together. The second thing that Paul highlights here is that the church, this coming together, is a place where Jesus gifts, gives gifts. It's a gathering place of the gifts. Now, Ephesians 4, most people will know as traditionally speaking about what we call the fivefold ministry the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the pastor teacher. But I want to say to you this morning, church, be careful not to fall into the trap of wanting to attach some sort of prominence to these names or functions, as if they are better or elevated above the rest. You see, the reference is to people. The gifts are people. It's the person who's the gift. But it's not given for some sort of prominence or title or lording it out over others. Jesus gives these, he gives these gifts so that they would serve the body, called to help others grow. There's no position. It's only a heart of service. And as you pour out your gift that God has given you, it helps the body to grow and it brings glory to Jesus. The next thing that Paul says here is that the church is a place where we are equipped for the work of ministry. It doesn't mean that all of you must now become full-time pastors. But it means that we grow in our skill, our understanding of the word, our understanding of what we believe the basic foundations of the Christian faith. But it also means that we grow in the abilities that these five giftings bring. It helps us to grow into being ambassadors for Jesus. That's the function of the apostle, a representative of God going into a new place. It helps us to hear the voice of God and to be able to share it with others. That's the function of the prophetic. It helps us in our ability to share the gospel, the function of the evangelist. And it helps us to care for others and share and teach them the function of the pastor teacher. Can you see, these gifts are not for prominence, it's not for titles, but it's for the equipping of all of us so that we become full-rounded, mature, is what Paul says. That's the next thing. The church helps us to mature. Now, what is maturity? Maturity is about being someone who walks in integrity. Someone who has grown up. It's almost like it's an adult word. Growing into the things that Jesus has for you and being able to walk in a way that is worthy of the call of God on your life. 
But it's interesting, right? Because in the example of Jesus, all of these things, the growing, the equipping, the maturing, all of it happens in the context of intentional relationship. You decide to walk together. As we do life together in the body, in that intentionality, there is growth that takes place. And then there's one thing about the church that not all of us like. I'll admit. The church is like a melting pot or a crucible. It's a place where we get challenged. It's a place where we have to submit to each other in accountability. And we don't always like that. We don't like to be challenged. But you see, it's not necessarily true that the more mature person must always be the one that must disciple the less mature. No. Thankfully, God made the local church to be like a tool shed. Iron sharpening iron. Kerbis and I, we're different. But in our differentness, in our coming together, we sharpen each other. Piece of iron in the tool shed of God, sharpening another piece of iron. You see, way back when I was a student, I went through a very deep relational difficulty and challenge. And people in the church, in the way that they tried to help me and correct me, unfortunately, I experienced that in a way that deeply hurt me. I was angry. I was carrying a lot of pride around and so on. The only way that I could get released from that was in the journey of walking together with leaders in the local church, submitting to their authority, listening to them, walking with them as iron was sharpening iron. The third main point this morning is that Paul is clearly saying here, discipleship happens through the expression of gifts. There are three main portions of scripture that speak about the fact that we all have been given gifts. We read it from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, which says, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Jesus giving gifts to the church. But Paul speaks about the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then he says in, in verse 7, To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Given by the Holy Spirit, as He wills, for the common good of everyone. And then Romans chapter 12, speaking about gifts that are given by the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. There's no ranking order in the importance of gifts. All that Paul is saying is use the thing that God gave you. Use your gift in the service of those around you for the common good. The lists are not exhaustive that Scripture gives. If you go read these lists, don't think that there's only what Paul is writing there. No, certainly theologians argue and agree that this is not the intention of Scripture to say that these are the only gifts that God gives. 
But there are things in there like leading, like giving, like encouraging others, like acts of mercy. You see, the point is grace was given to each one of us, to me, to you, Barbara, to you, Andrea. Gifts have been given to each of us. And what is the call of the Bible? Use it for the benefit of all the rest of us. You see, it's when you exercise your gift that things come to the fore and others begin to see what God has placed within you. It might be true that some people function on what we will call the translocal level. Now, when I say translocal, it just means that somebody who's not just using their gift within one local church, like this one, but they also minister into other local churches or into a wider geographical region, like Paul and his missionary friends did. They went around using the gifts that God gave them, not just in one local church, but also to the benefit of others in a wider region. I want to say to you this morning, can I say it as directly as this? According to the Bible, you don't have any excuse to say, I can't contribute, I don't have anything. It clearly says, God has given to each of us a measure of grace for the benefit of all the rest of us. There's no rank, there's no ladder you must climb, there's no perfection you must attain. All you must do is to use what God had given you. This is what Paul says to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. What then, brothers? And again, he doesn't exclude the ladies. Brothers, the word includes men and women. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up, but decently in an order, verse 40 says. Why decently in an order? So that we can all benefit. We hear what you are saying and we grow together. This Corinthian church was an interesting place, interesting mix of different cultures, Romans, Gentiles, interesting people who struggled a bit. You read the letter to the Corinthians, you'll see it wasn't a church that was doing well in all respects. And so Paul says, when he, he speaks to the strong in faith and he contrasts them with the weaker brothers, right? And say, even if you will say to me this morning, Herod, I think I'm in the camp of the weak. I, I don't think I'm strong in the faith. You know, not to worry. Because what Paul is saying is that the weaker brother is instrumental in helping the stronger ones to learn patience, long-suffering, and being like Jesus. The beautiful thing, Paul said, to the weak, I become weak so that I might win the weak. It doesn't mean he's compromising. It's not saying like throw down all the things that you believe, your convictions. He says, no, I just change and come to their level, come alongside them so that I, in maturity, can help them grow. You see, he says, the weaker parts of the body are indispensable. What a big English word. Indispensable. You sure you know what it means? We can't do without you. You say, I'm the weaker one here. And I say to you, the Bible says, we can't do without you. We are a body. We are together. This is what Paul says. It's the entire body, the whole body makes the body grow. Verse 16 in Ephesians 4. The whole body, when it's joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's your job? As someone who comes to this local church here in Sabi, what is Paul saying to you? What's your job? Your job is exercise the gift God has given you in the body. Each part works properly. That's what Paul says. Use the gift God has given you in this local body. Number two, better be connected. Stay connected and be involved. That's what he says. Be joined and held together. You see, we can't do what the New Testament says about making disciples if we are not together. There are so many one another passages in the Bible. I'm not going to give you the references, but you would, you would know them. We are to love one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to endure hardships with one another, live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, comfort one another, and I'm sure you can find many, many more. That was the way of the early church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship. It's like devoting themselves to the word and coming together in fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. See, as I close the message this morning, this is the thought I want to leave you with. The local church, this body of believers coming together in a place is God's plan to disciple all people. There's no other plan. This is God's plan. Us coming together. Commit, connect, and get involved. Because the body here in Sabi, they need your gift. As we help each other to grow as disciples of Christ, who follow him, we allow him to change us into his likeness, and we help other people to do the same. My prayer for you this morning is may God bless you. Discipleship is not about a course or a book that you have to tick boxes. It's about coming together with others who shape you like iron sharpens iron. Learning from each other, growing together, using the gifts God had given you, each one has a measure as we help each other. As we are together, the Bible says, to grow into maturity and fullness of Christ. This morning, I'd love to pray for you. Like I say, it's not so easy to come alongside people that you have to rub shoulders with that may challenge you sometimes. But I'd love to pray for us as, together that we will be able to walk in this reality. Journeying together, learning from each other, no one greater or higher or better than the others, but growing together into the likeness of Jesus. Shall I pray for us? Father, so I want to thank you this morning for this beautiful church, this body of believers here in Sabi, people who have determined that they want to follow Jesus, people who are on a journey of being changed into his likeness, and people who surely carry a heart of wanting to help others to do the same. And I pray, Lord, that in the delivery of your word this morning, that there would be a challenge that stirs the hearts of everyone in this room to come closer together, to be joined and held together, and to use what you have given them, Lord, for the benefit of everyone around them. And for those, Lord, that say, but I, I'm not sure, I don't know what the gift is that God has given me. 
I pray, Father, that as they come into being with the body and doing life with the body, that by your spirit, Lord, you would begin to reveal the things you've placed in their hearts. As they do life together, that things would come to the surface and become so clear to those in the body, but also those in leadership, so that we can help guide each other to grow into the fullness of Jesus. May you bless your people, Lord. Bless them with peace. Bless them with your presence. Bless them with the courage to stand firm for their convictions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode. Your support means the world to us. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider sharing it with your friends and family.